It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. This is the Flow Track Podcast. It is Wednesday, September 15th. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack. FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com is our email address. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also watch live on the FlowTrack Podcast YouTube channel recording Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Central. Gordon, how are you doing today? Doing all right. It's Wednesday. It's hump day, September 15th. It's the hump day of the hump month. As I mentioned a few podcasts ago, Mm -hmm. September's the hump month. Middle of September, ready to go. Fall season is coming near. You know, I think uh, Starbucks is giving out those pumpkin spice lattes now. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. season is upon us. And uh, it's the end of track. I mean, yesterday was basically... The end for a majority of the stars we've been talking about. There is one more track meet on Saturday, mm-hmm. live on Flow in Nairobi, Kenya. That should be good. There's some people there. I th- I do think Justin Gatlin's going to be there. Faith Kipiegan's going to be there. A few others. Might be more distance heavy. Uh, but the back and forth of talking about Andre de Grasse, Christine Moba, Shelly Ann, Elaine Thompson, mm-hmm. Fred Curley, Bromel, all these people that we've been having podcasts about for the past like yep. two months. I think it's over. I think <laughs> we have come to the end of the 2021 track season. We made it, man. Yeah. We made it. Clap. We made yes- it. Yesterday in Zagreb and Bellinzona was basically a greatest hits of the things we've seen throughout the year. I'm going to give you a couple of storylines. You pick which one you think was the most interesting. Yeah, that men's 100 where DeGrasse beats Curly and Gatlin after a false start, wins it over 10 seconds. You have 100 in, in the other meet where Bracey runs 986, which was impressive. You have Mboma and Jackson running again. Uh, Fraser Price running 1078. Then you have Devin Allen with a with twelve ninety nine and Nian Saba breaking the world record in the two thousand. Of those, what do you think is the most consequential, most interesting to you? Well, most interesting, I would say, is Devin Allen. I mean, we did a whole segment about is he the next American to break thirteen seconds, and then he must have listened to that podcast on his drive over to uh, Bellinzona or Zagreb, wherever he was running that, and. He he did it right away. He was consistently in the 13-0 for this season. You know, he, he kind of averaged 13-10 or better. He was due for a big breakout. And he got it in before next year. Yep. I mean, I'm sure he was probably eyeing that sub-13. We probably were thinking it's probably going to come in the 2022 season. Uh, but he found a way to make it happen in one final hurrah. And, hey, 1299 is legit. 
Devin Allen got fourth at the Olympics. We talked about seeing Grant Holloway not have his perfect race, that there was an opening for pretty much anybody who's a 13 low guy to win gold. Happened to be Hansel Parchment on that day. But Allen, if this if we had this Devin Allen in -hmm. the Olympics, like this peak of Allen in Tokyo, maybe Devin Allen is all of a sudden an Olympic champion. And I do think it's going to be exciting to see Allen versus Holloway in 2022. Now, obviously, Holloway is extremely good. And the odds of Holloway having an Olympic-type performance, again, probably not as common. Holloway is flirting with world records here. Allen is Mm -hmm. just flirting with breaking 13. Um, But it is a good sign for the U.S. uh, hurdling in that you know, Daniel Roberts has broken 13. Now we have Devin Allen broken 13. And obviously we have Grant Holloway who's broken 13 multiple times. Those three um, all kind of in their prime will be an mm-hmm. interesting 2020 to see them all go up against each other. Yeah, in the prime is a key statement there because you talked about Allen in a previous show had a couple years with injuries. And then going back a little farther, obviously he had those those football injuries as well too where he was – Tearing his ACL. 2014 wins USA's. He's a freshman at Oregon, Gordon. And then two years later in 2016, has that big race at the trials, which is his PB. He did that so young, he seemed older than he was throughout his career. And then he has that drop off, and you're thinking, all right, he's a 13 2 guy, 13 1 guy. He'll scratch his way onto the team, but is he going to be able to get back into the gold medal mix? But you realize, hey, he's only 26 years old, right? He's still got all the tools that he had when he was younger. Looks better than ever before. This has been an incredibly consistent season and now tops it with a 1299. This is going to be a fun 2022 because we have now Holloway and Allen, the only two guys who broke 20, or sorry, broke 13 in the world this year. That's it, right? And now Holloway runs a 1281, which puts that mark way out there. So you're thinking, all right, he's just head and shoulders above everybody else. But if you look at this thing globally, those are the only two guys under under 13 seconds and maybe the three americans at usa's next year going sub 13 as you predicted is is in play this is a pretty exciting development i thought he could get to sub 13 i didn't think it'd be this quick that segment was supposed to live on to next year that wasn't supposed to be posted like two hours before he actually did it i don't know if that made us look smart or uh way too cautious in retrospect but He's he's ahead of schedule, basically. Yeah, and when we talk about Allen and Holloway being the only men to break 13, the only men to run 13 flat or faster since 2019 is Daniel Roberts, Grant Holloway, and Devin Allen. Because remember, no one was breaking 13 in 2020. 2019 was the year of the Holloway Roberts NCAA battle. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we kind of are forgetting about Daniel Roberts. Maybe he is due for his big, you know, reemergence in 2022. And uh, it's going to be a really fun uh, U.S. champs. Now, Grant Holloway, though, is he going to try in USA champs because he does have the bye? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot of times. U.S. athletes with buys don't go all in on their marquee event. So yeah. Holloway might kind of not give us the big trio all at USA's and make us wait kind of for worlds for it. But I don't know. You never know. So, yeah, it's going to be exciting. And, uh, yeah, what what how, how what year is uh, Devin Allen born in? He's uh, 94. So, He's- yeah. He's 26. Holloway's 23. Not a huge yeah. age discrepancy because you think, oh, this guy's the veteran and this guy's the up and comer, but they're they're pretty close in age. So Allen is is fully back to that form, as I said. And I'm 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 curious to watch just how this develops because yeah, 1299 is gonna win you most races. And now there's a little little bit of rivalry here with with Jamaican athletes with Levy and Parchment, because they ran really well in the back half of the season. Did anybody improve their stock more on the U.S. side post-Olympics than Allen? 
I guess you'd say Michael Cherry as well, too. Are those the two? For U.S. athletes? Yeah. Uh, athlete, fourth, I mean, fourth, fourth place guys. In the sprints. Yeah, in the sprints, I would say. I mean, I would think Kenny B kind of raised his profile a bit. Fred Curley kind of raised it. But for the athletes that weren't medalists, definitely yeah. Allen and Michael Cherry on the men's side had the biggest, like, upswing. On the women's side, I mean, I guess you could say Tiana Daniels because she had that mm-hmm. kind of a good race at pre. But um, it wasn't like a race that won, obviously. It's just hard to for the, yeah. the female women to kind of improve much because of the presence of the Jamaican sprinters. Uh, I guess you could say Someone- Quinera Hayes. Quinera yeah. Hayes won the Diamond League. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'd say Hayes, yeah. Allen, and Cherry are kind of like the three that kind of improved the most. Yeah, and then if you go back to trials at the end of the year, you'd have to throw Kate Grace in there, but she didn't make the Olympic team, but her stock certainly went way up. Cherry helped himself a ton, and Hayes helped herself a ton because they got the bye. Allen wasn't able to get the bye, but he came in post-Olympics. It was, whoa, Allen got up for fourth in the hurdle final. That was a great race. So now we're thinking, okay, wait a minute. This guy is legit gold medal contender now in in 2022. And I know, again, I know – I think Holly's going to break the world record next year, which is not shocking. Um, but that's not a guarantee. That's not a guarantee. And if you're running sub-13s, just as parchment proved this year, even if you're running 13 lows, you can, you can if you do it at the right time, you can end up with a gold medal. Which, listen, in 2014, if you said Devin Allen is going to compete for a gold medal one day in the hurdles, nobody probably would have bet against you because he was 19 years old, running 13-1, winning USA's. It's just stuff happened in the intervening years that made us think, okay, well, might need to re- reassess that. But now we're back to where we were, 2014, 2016 timeframe with Allen posting these big, these big performances. Um, all right, what else? What else caught your eye? Uh, Francine Niansamba. Mm-hmm. Uh, she kind of did the, the epic troll world record attempt. Um, she's a DSD athlete. She is banned from competing in the 400 meters up to the 16, up to the mile, which is 1,609 meters. So naturally she ran a 2000, which is just 392 meters longer than what she's not allowed to run according to the quote science. Um, and she destroyed the world record. Yeah. And watching the race, I was actually kind of surprised because she wasn't guaranteed to win it. So she goes out in 420, and mm-hmm. with the lap to go, going up on the back stretch, I should probably should have remembered who this athlete was. So you had the name of the athlete who was in second? It wasn't a, it was, it was Gebra Hezebeer, wasn't it? Of, of yeah, Gebra yeah, Hezebeer. Yeah, she got fourth in, in the Olympics. Yeah, so she is on her tail in the back stretch in the final lap. They just went a 420 mile. And yeah. attempts to pass Francine on that backstretch. And then Francine's yeah. like, oh, shit, makes another acceleration. S- still on her tail, but then at the 200-meter mark, or 200 meters ago, then the separation happens, and Francine yeah. kind of pulls away, and she closes in 61 seconds. So she runs a 420 mile, and then a 61 fifth lap. We don't really see 2Ks that often, so the... No impressiveness of a 2k record is kind of really you don't know right yeah but how many women in the past three years so assuming women in their prime now and women who are in the prime all the way back to like 2019 mm-hmm. could do what francine did run a 420 mile and then run a 61 fifth lap two two others hassan and faith keep that's it now, Debaba had run a 5.23 indoors, which is actually faster than the outdoor world record. But in the past couple of years, I would leave her off that list. I don't think she could have done it in the past, past couple of years. But yeah, it's a very short list. It's hard to conceptualize these off distances, but when you say it like that, or when you say, hey, she went through 1,500 in 4.03 and then ran 
500 more meters, you kind of get a, a grasp on how, how good it is. Yeah. 1500 plus 500 is a lot harder to grasp than I think a mile plus one lap, but. Well, I'm just using a 1500 meter time, but closing, as you said, going through in 420 and then closing in, in 61. I'm looking up right now to Baba to Baba in 2017 ran the 523 indoors. So I don't know if you want to quibble with last four years, maybe you'd add her into that, into that list, but that would require her to go a couple seconds faster outdoors. I think it's, it's she's an elite company next year. And I think she's not going to get to run this race at a championship because it doesn't exist. You've pegged, you've circled that women's 3000 at world indoors as one of your must watch races of 2020. That'll be fun, especially if Hassan is in it. Maybe even Kip Yagon, who's up a little bit in distance, Laura Mir, that could be really good. But where we're going to see them is in the 5,000, which is more on to Hassan's turf, but we've just, we've seen Nian Saba run 1420 now. So I don't think there's any, any distance out there that she's not going to be competitive in. She's got the range all the way from eight up to 10K. So it was interesting too. You said it was the, the troll attempt, right? Because you have the... The regulations 1609 and then you go up to the next available record to break it they also said which was surprising zagreb had never had a world record before because they've had some pretty big big time meets big time competitors at that meet so it was they achieved that goal too they got the world record and then nian saba got a world record as well too yeah i think nian samba's i mean now that she's a 2k world record She's probably just going to slowly go for world records on the way up, right? So it's the two-mile, because she's close to the two-mile world record. She's second fastest all time. And if yeah. you're there, you can eye the 3K world record. So it's going to work, you know? Get the 2K, mm -hmm. 3K, two-mile, maybe throw in a 4K, and then <laughs> go for the 5K. And just have every well, K between, you know, two and five. And then if you do indoor and out, you can really make a living at those distances between yeah. a mile and a and a two and a two mile indoors. There's a lot of there's a lot of opportunities. She found a flaw in there. the system. Yeah, exactly. Flaw in the rule. Right. Yeah, exactly. You just keep exploiting those those off distances in that in those in, in that range. Even even like I said, even three K indoors, I think she's gonna she's gonna tear it up there as well too. So she keeps on on rolling. No surprise there. Um, Fraser Price, ten seventy eight, about right. She did not have Thompson Hurrah in this race, so she keeps it rolling. Ends her season with another sub ten eight. Yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, I've said this in the pod before, but Fraser Price and Elaine Thompson, they kind of given fans and commentators and media kind of. Bigger, bigger expectations on them every time they show up, and they mm -hmm. kind of find ways to make to let us feel let down with impressive performances. That we see ten seven, we're like, ah, oh, it's not ten six. Oh, it's mm -hmm. not a ten five attempt. So, um, but it shows she's been consistent. She's been able to be under a ten eight for a long time, doing it multiple times. Not a flash in the pan, and. It makes sense that she's not running 10-6, 10-5 right now. The season's long, yeah. September. Kind of rest up, get ready for the offseason, and then go all in. Probably one last splash in 2022 to try to really lower your PB um, in bigger environments like, uh, you know, a world championships, Jamaica trials type stuff. So. Mm -hmm. Will be exciting, but yeah, I mean, not too much really to add to Shelly and Fraser Price's season. Mm -hmm. Ending it with a 10 7, it's pretty damn good. It's yeah. just crazy that there's two of them, that another country woman <laughs> can also do that and is doing it even a little bit faster at, mo at moments. Yeah, I mean, she's almost run two tenths faster this year. That's the unbelievable part about it. It's just been a really fun year in the women's 100 and. I expected them to be good this year. Did not expect this at all. My my thought was okay. Yeah, ten ten sixes maybe high ten sixes. Some someone can 
improve upon it, but the back and forth that we saw in the lowering at the times was pretty pretty cool. How about these men's sprints, Gordon? So you had, uh, in one of these meets, Marvin Bracey looked great, runs 986, beats Baker and Trayvon Bromel. And then in the other race, you had a clear false start by Andre de Grasse. They give him the free pass. He's He thinks it's funny. Everybody in the start line kind of thinks it's funny because it's like, yeah, hey, it's the end of the season. It's track and field. Rules, eh, what are rules? So he runs, he catches Curly and Gatlin at the line. They ran north of north of 10 seconds here. So I, I, I suppose we should start with, with Bracey because the guy runs another 986. He's done it enough times where you're thinking this is no fluke for, for Marvin Bracey. Yeah, Bracey, we, we've already anointed him as a contender for that team in 2022. But the more often you run, you break 10, the more often you run nine eights, the more often you're going to be considered in the conversation for making a team and ultimately winning a medal, right? Because if you can make Team USA, you can, you can win a medal at World Champs. So, yeah, it's going to be hard to pick a team. I mean, this is what's crazy. Are we going to go from... The beginning of a season being all in that Trayvon Bromel is the Olympic favorite, best in the world. So now at the end of the season where Trayvon is like, maybe he doesn't make the team. Mm-hmm. Like, it just shows it's crazy what can happen in this event where an athlete who you can kind of anoint as the top dog in the world can all of a sudden be the fourth guy in his own country. Because obviously when we made, when we kind of anointed Trayvon in in the beginning of 2021, we had no idea Mm -hmm. what Fred Curley was going to be able to do. Right. Fred Curley has passed, right. Ronnie Baker has also kind of passed him. I mean, you see Ronnie Baker ran better at the Olympics. Ronnie has Mm -hmm. beaten out Bromel multiple times post trials. So you have to put Baker in that conversation, Bracey now running nine eights late in the season versus Burrell running nine nines. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe Bracey's in there. Obviously Christian Coleman is coming back. You know, it just, yeah. You start thinking and you start, uh, uh, Kenny Ben is running incredibly well at the 200. You got to imagine he's still going to be able to run a fast 100. You know, Lyles yeah. goes, runs 19 five. He's going to be able to run a fast hundred. So, uh, the landscape of the men's hundred in the U.S. keeps on yep. flipping and flopping, right? It was all Coleman, mm-hmm. and it was all Bromel. Now it's all Curly, and now going to 2022, it's still Curly, but now you're like, hey, watch out for Bracey. Baker's yeah. still there. Christian Coleman's coming back. You know, so this kind of wild. You could have a you could have a final next year at USA's. Coleman doesn't need to run it because the bye. But you could have a final. These are seven of the eight lanes. Bracey, Coleman, Curley, Lyles, Baker, Bromel, Bednarik. Yeah. Seven. And then pick your pick your pick your other person that's going to be in there. Or if Coleman doesn't ultimately run it, you could throw two other people in there. But still, you just see how stacked that thing is. And listen. There's questions on all those guys, obviously, but the upside is also really clear on all those guys. Because when you're doing your little history, you forgot, you know, 20, I mean, Lyles had a moment there too, right? Where he he beat Coleman and he, yeah. he won a U.S. title as well too in the 100. So they've been passing it around pretty quickly. Romel, you know, since the Olympics hasn't won a race. He goes fourth. He, his fastest time was at Paribas Wind Aid at 986. And that's where he gets fourth. His best finish was probably the 990s or was in the 997 in, in Brussels. He gets runner up, but really competitive. And then these last two races, uh, less so. I guess you could also throw, kind of throw Michael Norman in there for the, in the, sure. lane, for the eighth lane. Sure. But how, how I mean, incredible would that be? How incredible would that be if we had that group? Uh, make it the final. Obviously, there's some young people out there, Michael Williams, who who got in the relay pool for for Tokyo. You think about him. Gillespie's been 
been pretty solid the last couple of years. But just the the star power and the ability of any one of those people to win is um, unique, I think, to this to this era. Yeah, it's just in, yeah, it's been a past. They've been it's been like a hot potato of who is the top top dog, you know, yeah. for the past like three years. Uh, right now, Curly has the potato, and will he keep hold on to that potato? We'll find out. He gets to hold on to the potato through the off season. We know that. Yeah. So yeah, he doesn't have to worry about losing the potato until like I would say May. Is the earliest he can potentially lose the potato, but really, he's not going to lose the potato until June when they actually have another U.S. champs. So, yeah, Coleman is in a good spot, not needing to to run top three at USA's. That's a good position to be in. Although he won't be able to start racing until later than some of these other guys. All I'm fascinated on all of them. Usually, you come in, you're like, all right, I know what to expect from this person, I know what to expect from this person, but this this one's the wild card got a lot of wild cards in here and a lot of them have this variability of they could run nine seven or they could run nine eight nine 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 or something like that and be six at usa's basically so they yeah. you're talking about a huge fluctuation between gold medalist and not making the team with a lot of these a lot of these athletes that i've named before again i mean bracy coleman curly lyles baker bromel benaric i mean that's Curly a, was third stat. at the trials. Curly was third at the trials. But Nerick was fourth. There's a timeline somewhere where all of a sudden Curly doesn't get the opportunity yeah. to like run at the Olympics, get his silver, then go on. Like it mm-hmm. was just one race going either way can change the fortune of one athlete versus the other. I mean, yeah. it's just, that's what's so wild about it. So yeah, I mean, so at go ahead, like. Let's think about this galaxy brain. Not to take anything away from the people who did well in the Olympics and at the U.S. trials and did it, but imagine a permutation where Bracy doesn't get hurt and he finds a way to be the guy to get third. Does Bracy have like a season the way Curly is of like a postseason mm-hmm. where Bracy one is invited to pre? Does Bracy medal at the Olympics? Does Bracy? run well in the diamond league mm-hmm. like there's all do all these different things happen and all of a sudden like bracy is the top dog going into 2022 because yeah. you know the talent's there you, you don't you don't wake up and run nine eight you you have to there's something there in order to do that consistent multiple yeah. times in one season um but well, there's also the alternate there's also the these two alternate paths you know but Narek, was 0.03 behind him in the 100. He could have made it in the in the one and the two. I mean, he obviously did great in the two, gets gets the medal, has a yeah. good season overall. But then there's another alternate universe where Curly beats Jacobs of Italy in in the Olympics and is the, we're talking about the Olympic champion in the 100 yeah. right now because it could go the other direction as well. Yeah. That's I mean, it's only a it's a race that lasts 9 seconds, so it makes yeah. sense that the air, the era plus minus air what's not air with plus minus a degree of yeah. air margin of air that's the word margin, margin of air that's the word I was looking for uh, is very small so I think anyway. if you're if you're Bromel or Coleman and you're looking for silver linings what you're thinking about is that you've run nine seven before. And you're thinking, if I can just get back to that, then I can separate myself yeah. from this crowd of people who are really locked in at that mid nine eight range. Not easy to do, but maybe that's something that gives you a little bit of confidence going into 2022. Agreed. 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 All right. Well, that does it for the track recap portion of the pod. Podcast over. We'll do a 28 minute no. podcast and we're done. We got two more stories we got to talk about. Um, the first one, and we'll t- when you said Nairobi's on Saturday, is that right? I think so. I think yeah. The actual we, even though I declared this the final track episode, we're still gonna have two more at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll preview on Friday, and then I mean, we'll talk about it, recap it on Monday, and then we'll be into road races and cross country and stuff after that. But 
Um, let's talk about Cole Hawker. Jordan, the Olympic trials champion for Oregon announced he is going pro and signing with Nike. Not shocking to a lot of people who predicted that would happen this year, especially after his run late in the season and making the Olympic team going all the way to the Olympic final. But what did you think of Hawker's decision? Well, in a vacuum, it makes sense. Uh, but outside the vacuum, you know, we kind of were flirting with potentially seeing an Olympic finalist in a cross-country race, running 8Ks and 10Ks. Because uh, he didn't, he, we never saw him going pro at right before the Olympics, which you think that's when he might do it, not right after. Mm-hmm. Didn't have like the opportunity to run pro at pre or something like that. And then he shows up on the Oregon roster. He has the yeah. profile pick, says incoming sophomore, redshirt sophomore, getting ready to go. And you're thinking Oregon is going to have a pretty crazy uh, cross-country roster with Will <laughs> Hawker, obviously, Cooper Tier. We know what he can do. Mm-hmm. They had that transfer from Cincinnati, Aaron Benfeld. They have a good one. They have three guys who can all finish in the top 20. That's a good cross-country team. Um and so we're kind of thinking, all right, well, maybe Cole Hawker is going to be the first NIL pro athlete, right? Where mm-hmm. you have the Nike deal on the side, but you still can run for your school. And I think there's nothing, and it, we kind of make it made it make sense in our head because Cole Hawker has nothing left to prove at the NCAA level for indoor mm-hmm. outdoor for sure, because he's kind of done yeah. it all. The only thing really left for him to prove, not really prove, but more experience, is yeah. what it's like to be on a cross-country team that can win or podium, right? And Oregon had a team that could win or podium, and so he thought maybe he'd play cross-country for fun, get an NIL <laughs> deal with Nike on the side, best of yeah. both worlds. It's not a conflict of interest because Oregon's a Nike school. Uh, but I think when push comes to shove, when you get a offer from a shoe company and yep. it's like a big number, you stop thinking about, yeah, but it'll be fun to do like two months of cross country running. You're like, yeah, all right, <laughs> I, I should just like sign it and let's, uh, let's, let's start getting these paychecks because being a professional runner is an extremely hard level to get at because there's not many opportunities for athletes to be paid to run. And so you sometimes you don't want to mess with it. You don't want to be like, oh yeah, I'll just mm-hmm. wait till December. The offer will still be there. I think the offer probably would have still been there, but you never know, right? He could tear his ACL or twist his ankle on a route and all of a sudden he's having mm-hmm. to rehab for a whole year. And then that deals a little muffled because they're like hey you're coming off an injury and all that stuff so take the money and run um and it's gonna be he's still training in oregon still gonna be with those guys we're not gonna have like two cross-country teams with like a pro (laughs) 1500 meter runner on the squad with hobbs kessler nau who's running with the team going to school in nau and now cole hawker who's running with the team and going to school at oregon a lot of volunteer assistant coaches with Olympic yes. credentials this fall who are very young, by the way. What do you think this tells us or doesn't tell the, us about NIL's impact? Because to me, obviously, it's, all right, the sure thing is this Nike money. You take it. You don't know what's going to happen, what you're going to be able to cobble together with a NIL-type setup where you can stay in college and still get money. And also, I don't know this, but maybe – these big shoe companies are a little bit cautious in getting into the NIL side of things. They already sponsor the universities here and spend a lot of money putting their logo on their jerseys and maybe the idea that they're just going to dump a bunch of money into individuals with this NIL setup is not going to happen, at least not yet. There's just so much we still don't know about it. still new. Yeah, now, the more you think about it, from you look from the brand's perspective, an NIL deal with a college kid isn't going to be tied to like their 
you're not able to tie it to like performances and qualification. It's more just like we're giving you money for your likeness, whatever. And yeah. I think you open up the opportunity to kind of lose the athlete when they become a professional, right? And I think these brands are kind of like, hey, do you want to be on our? Do you want to be on Team Nike or not? Like, we don't mm. want to like we don't need to like mess around with the contract language for a season or a season and a half when ultimately you know your end goal is a legit pro contract so let's just let's just jump over that little mini hurdle and go right to the end game and i'm sure that's what happened with cole like hey let's do cross country nil like you know the end is a contract so we don't want to risk three months of messing around you probably don't want to risk losing us from the from the negotiation table so let's just go all in and I think we thought that NAL means like Cole Hawker was a perfect example of an NIL deal where like young kid still might have a reason to stay in school, but can yeah. Nike would be willing to give that kid money. But now I think the more and more I th- look up at a big picture, I don't think we're going to be seeing fake pro NIL, NIL contracts with college runners. Because I don't, I think a runner who's worth an NIL deal is going to be already worth an actual pro contract. You're talking about a so big therefore, NIL. Yeah. And then I, I mean, Nike isn't going to go out there and be like, here's 20 bucks a week to say hashtag Nike. Like, Nike, they're not, yeah, yeah. I don't think Brooks isn't doing that type of stuff. They're either going to pay you as a, as a pro runner or not. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna see people get like nils for like, ooh, here's a nutrition supplement from my local running store or whatever. Yeah, because it's like yeah, right. five hundred bucks here or there. There, it's whatever. But the idea of having like these kind of I call them fake pro contracts nil, so they can still Quasi be in college. Quasi pro, yeah. I just don't think that's going to be happening because I think it would have happened with Cole. It's not happening with uh, Yair Nagus. I think it's... Thing Mo would have been a perfect example. Yeah, Thing Mo would have been a perfect example. Yeah. But I think once you are NIL... Once you are in the eyes of... Once a pro... Once a brand values you to give you money... You likely have done enough in college where college isn't as enticing. Like a thing Mo literally has nothing else left to do in college. There's nothing she can do. I mean, she's yeah. freaking is the fastest woman in the world. You can go to the NCA and run against like 205 women in conference dual meets. No, it's like, right. yeah. It seems like right now the NIL path is more for runners who have a big social following and a big ability to influence people on campus and in the communities that they share yeah and less and less that they are going to be a pro runner with olympic potential or who are already in the olympics now it's early it's early so that that could shift and that could change but that seems to be more the direction that it's going because i i agree with you if you're going to pay the person pay the person and then you can make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to what, you know, they get they get yeah. the proper they have a proper schedule, they have a proper structure around them, and you just have a lot more influence in that in that in that person's development. Because I know this was the first year, but Hawker and Mo were pretty big time names, and it's not as if they're, they're like a Hawker and Mo aren't going to come around every single year. Because with yeah. Mo, you had obviously someone as a freshman uh, win a gold medal, blow everybody out, does this awesome four eight combo gets this in insane amounts of exposure for a freshman and then hawker running at oregon starting with the indoor uh exploits then going outdoors the big win over central there's a lot of buzz around hawker as well too and so these two athletes would have been you know the higher on the higher end of higher profile i think the issue was they're just so good that they maybe don't even apply to this sort of setup because if you're taking this, if you're looking at this example in other sports, 
are athletes going to stay in school longer in other sports and not go pro and join a pro team? I know the example is not perfect, but are they not going to do that to get NIL money? Of course not. That, that, that would be silly. You know, if the, the, the top 10 pick in the, in the NBA draft isn't going to be like, no, I got too much deodorant money back at Michigan State. I'm going to stay there and put hashtag, uh, I, I smell great on my Instagram. They're going to go and they're going to move on to the next chapter. Running and tracks a little bit different because you can train together, you can compete together, everything is is blended. But the overarching uh, idea of moving on to a pro career after college and getting the funding to do that, I think, is is important to consider here. Now, obviously, there's like a a NCAA. Um reaction not reaction i don't know what the word is basically uh no cole hawker on the oregon cross-country team dramatically changes oregon's chances of winning a yeah. cross-country title i know you don't want me to talk about cross-country yet but i do want to do a little teaser mm. about cross-country so it. i did post updated rankings uh for top teams top individuals men and women top 250 individuals you can check them out on the site now we did the preseason rankings at the end of August. Yeah. Now, these new updates two weeks later, they aren't updates because of anything we saw in cross-country. Because cross-country has only been around now for like two weeks. No Teams aren't really running their top guys or girls. Or if they do, they're running yeah. in you know fake dual meets. But the rankings have changed dramatically. And the reason why is because we're slowly getting notification of certain athletes – coming back to school, not coming back to school, and new athletes. So I can just give a little quick highlight on the men's side. So Oregon was ranked fourth in the preseason. They've now dropped to eighth mm -hmm. because when you remove Cole Hawker, who's a top 10 guy, you're not going to – You have to replace him with your sixth guy, and it's not that good. So Oregon went from fourth to eighth. Uh, BYU went from seventh to fourth because of learning more about who they actually have back. Um, but the new top four on the men's side is Notre Dame one, NAU two, Oklahoma State three, and BYU four. So that's the new uh, top four on the men's side. And check out all the rankings. Uh, Alabama went from not ranked to be now being 15th because Alabama announced the addition of two Kenyans who have run sub 13, sub three. Sub 1330 5Ks in Victor mm -hmm. Kiprop and Hillary Chariot. So they're both going to be top 40 type guys. And that makes Alabama kind of in the mix, potentially be making the team, making the, the meet. Um, but yeah, check out all the rankings on the site. People have jumped up mm -hmm. and jumped down. Like Michigan went from 21st to 9th. Yeah. Because one of their freshmen ran really well. It's like, oh, you're better than a. You're not a 1405 <laughs> freshman anymore. You're pretty good. Um, yeah. And then some teams dropped out. Like Gonzaga dropped out. I had them 13th, but I had no idea that a guy named Peter Hogan isn't coming back. So all these little things, check it out. Top 25 teams, men and women. And then I rank the top 250 men and women. Give me a mm – -hmm. we'll do a shout-out. Give me a, a ranking number between 1 and 250. And I'll uh, let you know who that is. 108. 108th on the men's side or women? On the men? Both. Spe All right. Speaking of Michigan, you got Christian Hubaker. Who Let's go. I have ranked 108th. He here's his credentials. He's uh, on a 1409 5K, an 839 steeple. Pretty good. Mm -hmm. He was 15th. I like it. The NCAAs in the steeple, 15th. So He's going to beat that ranking, 108. He's going to beat That's that disrespectful. ranking. And then 108th on the women's side? You want 108th on the women's side? Yeah. 108th on the of women's course. side is Olivia Howell, a sophomore from Illinois. Look at that. Let's go. People don't know these people. ILL. But I, I... You, you so should know. Uh, she's she's, she's going to also beat your chart. As well, too. I think top. She was easy. She was tenth in the NCAA fifteen hundred. So, 
She's oh. run 409. She's pretty good. Okay, she's definitely top 100. Then. Come on, Gordon. Get it together. Uh, we got a request in the chat for your top five individuals. Top five individuals right now, gun to my head. On the women's side, Mercy Chilangat, one. Bethany Haas, two. Hannah Steelman, three. Julia Hamek, four. Taylor Rowe, five. And then the top, I'll say two, I have the top freshmen. Top freshmen, I guess this doesn't count. I mean, we got a lot of repeat freshmen, but right now top freshman was Amelia Mazzy Downey of New Mexico, ranked 17th. The top okay. true freshman, I have a Sydney Thor, Thorvaldson. Is that his last name? Who didn't run uh, outdoor last year in high school. I guess I think she was injured. But she's the Gatorade Athlete of the Year. She's running for Arkansas. So look out for her. All right, men. Men. Who do I have on the men? Number one, I have Connor Mance. Two, Cooper Tier. Three, Abdi Hamanur. Four, Wesley Kiptu. And five, Nico Young. Mm. That is my top five. Underselling Nico again. You didn't, you didn't, yeah, you didn't learn from 2020. I told you Nico's top five guy. Okay, so you didn't believe me. Where should I rank Nico? Should I make him ahead of Wesley Kip too, or Abdi Hamaner? I think Abdi Hamaner is going to be the top guy. What's that? No, I was, I was just joking. I don't think you're really disrespecting. Okay. Um, it's just weird to have him go backwards from last year, but it's cross. Is everybody so close? And sometimes you're fresh. Your freshman, you're like, oh, they're freshmen. What are they going to do next year? And they end up just around the same spot. Uh, another request, Gordon, uh, in the chat. Who is your sprint king of 2021 now? Which is interesting, right? Because okay. you had you had a th- you had a three way tie, and then we get one more tiebreaker with Curly and DeGrasse going against each other. DeGrasse wins the eventual race, but then there's the the false start before it. But they still raced each other. I had DeGrasse, so I'm I'm fine. I used the gold medal as my my, my tiebreaker, but what about you? Or are you going to wait? Well, that race, you wait till Continental Tour Nairobi because I think Curly's running. Well, so I did. Yeah, Curly is running. He's running the two hundred. So I will have to wait. But I will say the that race doesn't count. The Grasses win there does not count. He should not have, that he should have been DQ'd. So you don't get you don't get credit. They they let him on. He was smiling. They were both smiling in the race, like while running. If you watch the slow mo, they're like laughing. It's it's almost as if they were doing like a practice stride. They're like, "Hey, we got yeah. Bell and Zona to give us five thousand dollars each to show up and stride and run ten oh eight. So I don't think they were trying to beat each other. I part of me was thinking, are they trying to run it slow so Justin Gatlin could finish with a victory? Because Gatlin was kind of in there. He was. Almost going to win it. He was in the lead, I think, with like 20 meters to go. But then Curly and DeGrasse ultimately came, ran by him. But yeah, no, that so, race means nothing in my tiebreaker tiebreaker rankings for King of 2021. Got to wait for Nairobi because Curly is running Nairobi, I believe. And then I'll officially crown okay. my champion. So right now you still have it a three-way tie. All right. Three-way Fair tie. enough. You are sticking Stanley Cup sticking to (laughs) exactly they all get to hang out with the cup for for a little while. Uh, One more thing I wanted to mention before we get going. Uh, We're going to get into fall road racing pretty soon here. Berlin Marathon, one of the world marathon majors is going to be on September 26th, Sunday. You can watch it live on FlowTrack if you're in Canada, UK, Ireland, Turkey, Italy, the Baltics, Australia. New Zealand and Hong Kong. So streaming to a whole bunch of places there. This race is going to feature Kennedy Sipikele, who back in 2019, Gordon, was just two seconds off of the world record set by Elliot Kipchoge the previous year in Berlin. So we all know Berlin, very fast course, world record attempts aplenty. And we'll see Bekele doing leg one of his, his fall marathon double on Sunday, September 26th. Yeah, should be a, a great marathon. It's the first of many this fall season. As we know, because of the pandemic, all the spring marathons are being combined with all these fall marathons. 
Berlin uh, used to is kicking off the fall season. Um, the mm-hmm. last like high quality marathon we've had was at the Tokyo Olympic Games, and now we're getting ready for the big majors. And Berlin should be quite fast, like it always is. And hey, Bekele's there, so never know what's going to happen. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch because he does like to, to chase records. The focus should he should have the field. He's the big favorite here, basically, um, based on on PBs and even re- recent results. I know he's had some obvious injury troubles recently, but if he's in form, I think it's going to turn into uh, Bekele versus the clock here, which is an intriguing matchup. He's he's one of the few guys in the in the world, few people in the world that if it's just them and the clock, it's still it's still very, very fun to watch. And obviously we'll watch him after this race, see how he prepares for his next fall marathon. But yeah, again, that's uh, September 26th, um, live on float track, UK, Canada, Italy, Ireland, Turkey, Baltics, Australia, New Zealand, and Hong Kong. Uh, that's Gordon, that's all I got. We are, uh, we are got? Out, of, out of topics unless someone's got something in the, in the chat here, um, someone asked if we've heard about an FBI investigation dealing with CJ Uja from the UK. No, we are not. We do not have information unless Gordon does. And he hasn't been telling about his FBI uh, contacts. I do not know anything about that. I did say that his B sample was also positive. So you're looking at, you know, Great Britain getting DQ'd from that spot. And then everybody else <laughs> elevated up there. Um, they didn't win, obviously. So Italy there. For, for the gold still. So I, I don't know anything about that. Um, oh, they're saying FBI crackdown with drugs from the Olympics. Yeah, I'm not not aware. I apologize for not knowing more. Um, we'll look into it. Question. Maybe we'll, get, we'll come back yeah. with you with information on Friday if we have anything. Yeah, I don't know what, what Gordon, who Gordon's going to call, but I'm interested. <laughs> I'm interested in who, <laughs> who Gordon, he picks up the phone and, and he calls somebody. I'm not sure. Who, who that will be um all right we'll leave it there thanks to uh, colt for producing today thank you to my co-host gordon i'm kevin we'll be back on friday live 9 a.m central you can watch on youtube or catch it archive later on the site or wherever you listen to podcasts we'll talk to you then